Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Political Bark. In this week's episode, we are staying in the same region, which is that of the Middle East and North Africa. Uh, last week's episode was about Libya in 2020 with a journalist from Egypt. In this week's episode, we are discussing the Israeli-Palestinian conflict in 2020 together with Ambassador Hisham Youssef from the United States Institute of Peace, where they attempt to make peace possible. Ambassador Youssef uh, joined the Egyptian Foreign Ministry in 1985. He was posted to the Egyptian Embassy in Canada from 88 to 1992 and the Egyptian Mission in Geneva, where he focused on economic and trade issues in the United Nations and the World Trade Organization. He was a member of the cabinet of the Egyptian Minister for Foreign Affairs from 92 to 95. Ambassador Youssef has worked extensively on conflict resolution in the Middle East and in particular on the Arab-Israeli conflict, reconciliation in Iraq and the situation in Sudan. He has written several papers on the reform in the Arab world and focused the last five years on the fragility and the humanitarian situation in the Islamic world, in particular in the Palestinian territories, Niger and Myanmar. Dear Ambassador, welcome to Political Bark Podcast. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be with you. Uh, thank you so much for the quick, uh, quick, quick response and for the, the willingness to talk about this uh, topic that is heavily disputed uh, all over the world. Uh, today we are discussing the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, especially looking at it in 2020 and onwards. Uh, Ambassador, could you please uh, tell, tell the listeners a bit about your uh, career and a bit about your work today in Washington? Well, uh, originally I'm, I was a science student. Uh, I graduated from Cairo University, the Faculty of Science, uh, yes. the Physics Department. Uh, and then I worked a little bit in, at Cairo University, and then after that, I, I worked uh, in the Ministry of Foreign Affairs of Egypt. I was posted in Canada, posted in uh, the Egyptian mission to the United Nations in Geneva. And uh, then after that, I joined the Arab League for uh, around 12 years or so where I was an official spokesman for the League and then uh, the Chief of Staff of the Secretary General. Mm -hmm. uh, after that, I became an Assistant Secretary General for uh, Humanitarian, Cultural and Social Affairs in the Organization of Islamic Cooperation that is has its headquarters in Saudi Arabia. And then I retired from all these jobs and uh, I came to the United States uh, in the United States Institute of Peace as a senior fellow, uh, mainly on a project to uh, consider uh, prospects for achieving peace in the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Mm -hmm. So I, I was very lucky. I worked in all kinds of things that were in, in, extremely interesting and uh, I really enjoyed uh, every bit of, of it. Yes, it's an extremely interesting uh, career and also the fact that you could pair, I'm sure, your interests with your work, uh, something which is very hard to do and, and you have to be lucky to, to, to manage to really get the interest points to the regions of the world also. So how long have you been in uh, Washington, D.C.? Uh, I've been in Washington for one year and I have one more year to go. So 
Okay. Uh, it's a it's a two year two year project, uh, more or less. And is it uh, very different to work in Washington DC than uh, I assume all of all other uh, stations where you've been or uh, uh, areas? Washington is a very interesting capital. It's uh, it's the most important capital in the world because of the status of the United States. Uh, it's the seat of power uh, of the United States. So it is very interesting. And uh, of course, uh, what makes it even more interesting these days is that this is an election year. And uh, of course, uh, elections in the United States are followed and its outcome is awaited uh, in the four corners of the world. Mm. So it is quite interesting to be in in Washington at this point in time. Of course, the only disadvantage is uh, that we are now facing a pandemic, mm. uh, which makes it much more difficult uh, in uh, also the four corners of the world. So, but we have to we have to cope with with this pandemic, hoping pandemic, hoping that it would uh, end sooner rather than later. Mm -hmm. I I was thinking about one thing in regards to. Uh to the global affairs these days. Do you think a lot of the attention that is supposed to go more to foreign policy is going to the interior policies of all nations because of the pandemic, making uh, making um, uh, issues abroad less, uh, less uh, given less attention to? Absolutely. When, you know, uh, when someone has his house on fire, uh, they focus on the fire. Yeah. Nothing else is important. Yeah. And this is what's happening. You know, every country is facing this crisis and it has to focus on how it deals with this crisis in all kinds of dimensions. It's, whether it's related to the health situation or whether it's related to the economic implications or uh, what is happening to all kinds of industries and so on. So, so this is the main focus of uh, all the governments around the world in these days. So, yes, this is absolutely true. And this comes at the expense of other things, whether it's uh, development policies, whether it's foreign policy, you name it, then it is affected. And the focus is mainly on how to deal with the pandem pandemic and how to overcome the difficulties associated with the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Yes. But what about in the region of the Middle East where, for example, Libya, there are foreign actors that are heavily involved um, in spite of having uh, in interior affairs that, that demand a lot of attention also? Um, well, yes. well it's, not so, it's not only Libya. I think, I think if you look at conflicts around the world, uh, and despite the fact that the, the UN Secretary General have made an appeal for a global ceasefire as uh, uh, a way to to focus the whole world on uh, the pandemic rather than uh, conflict. Uh, I don't think that this has uh, successfully uh, moved ahead. And we're see, seeing that uh, conflicts are continuing mm -hmm. uh, un unabated, whether it's Libya, Yemen, uh, uh, you know, the situation in different conflicts around the world remains uh, relatively unchanged as a result of the pandemic, mm -hmm. uh, which is which is rather unfortunate, but this is what we are witnessing in different regions around the world. Yeah, 
I mean, this is certainly extremely uncertain times and uh, trying to forecast this is very hard these days. Um, I mean, it's hard anyways, but especially now. Uh, so the, this brings us to the Middle East and the, the topic for today, which is based on an essay you wrote, uh, published uh, 20th, 20th of July, um, about a new quartet for the Israeli-Palestinian peace. Could you mention a bit what your main points in the in the essay are? Well, uh, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict has been, uh, you know, with us for uh, you know more than half a century, uh, yeah. and we and throughout the years there, there has been all kinds of mechanisms to deal with that. More recently. There was a quartet that was formed to deal with that issue at the international level, consisting of the United States, Russia, the European Union, and the United Nations. Uh, and then there was also a second quartet that was uh, established in the Arab League, and this was a quartet that consisted of Egypt, Jordan, Saudi Arabia, and the United Arab Emirates. Mm-hmm. And then, more recently, in the, in, as a result of the debate that is taking place in the region and beyond in relation to annexation, uh, four countries uh, met also to discuss this issue. And these are Egypt, Jordan, uh, Germany, and France. Mm-hmm. So this, this is the new quartet. And uh, I think that this is an important gathering that I hope will continue because uh, these four countries have a crucial role to play uh, in addressing this conflict. Yeah. Uh, two, two of them are on the Arab side, two are on the European side. Uh, the, the two Arab countries, Jordan and Egypt, are the two countries that have peace treaties with Israel. Uh, the two, two European uh, countries, as you know, are uh, the most influential political forces on the European scene, mm-hmm. and they are both uh, respected by public opinion in Israel, and they are—they have a, a huge weight in relation to what they say and what they do. And they sent a very strong message yeah. to Israel in relation to annexation, and I hope that the effort of this new quartet mm-hmm. uh, would, would continue. And uh, when you say strong message, in what, what way does that mean? What did France uh, do or say? Well, I think the four of them uh, are opposing annexation. Mm-hmm. And they are sending a message to Israel that this would be moving in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. And that they hope that this would not take place. And that we would focus on returning back to the negotiating table rather than taking unilateral measures that would result in having a devastating impact on the on peace prospects. Yeah. Because this is uh, the annexation, uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu's uh, wishes for annexation of uh, in the Jordan Valley and more Palestinian uh, territories, right? Yes. Yes. So it's... Well, in, in accordance to... Uh, the plan that was presented by the United States, uh, there was uh, a, a map that was presented and also an approach that is based on allowing Israel to maintain 30% of uh, the occupied uh, 
So, so Israel was starting to move in this direction, and there is opposition from uh, not the vast majority. I think it, you'll ha- you'll have a very hard time to find an influential country around the world that mm-hmm. supported uh, the the you know the movement of Israel towards annexation. Mm-hmm. And uh, France, what type of uh, sort of hard stance is it taken? Is it Macron who who is ahead with the? Well, France, uh, I think uh, this was also mentioned in the article. Uh, France indicated that it will, it is ready to take to consider uh, punitive economic and commercial measures if Israel was to annex. Uh, occupied Palestinian territory. Mm-hmm. So this was the position that was adopted by France. And as a matter of fact, the whole European Union has indicated that uh, annexation will not pass unchallenged, which means that there will be implications and repercussions if Israel takes a step of that nature. Mm-hmm. Of course, it was not clarified what is meant by that, but I think I think uh, the message that went from the European Union to uh, the government of Israel was quite clear. That uh, that uh, and as a matter of fact, this is the message that has gone to Israel from uh, the four corners of the world, except uh, perhaps from the, from the United States and uh, you know one or two other countries, indicating that this is against international law mm-hmm. and that this is a step. That would be detrimental to uh, the prospects of peace, as much, uh, as I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. So uh, you you say that uh, this message has perhaps not co- uh, come from uh, from the Trump administration. Can you say something about the the relationship between Israel and the U.S. right now? Is it are they uh, because the the U.S. you didn't mention in the essay American involvement that much. Is there something else going on in the in the U.S.? Of course, pandemic, presidential elections, but that means the focus is no longer that much with Israel, with Netanyahu, for example, for the Trump administration. No, this is this is not entirely true. But because the focus was on on the quartet and what the quartet can do, but the U.S. of course, uh, you know, is uh, after presenting the plan are. examining what kind of steps can be taken. And in as far as annexation is concerned, my understanding is that the message that was sent from the American administration to the Israeli government is that they would want to see broad support by the government of Israel in relation to uh, the annexation step that can be taken. Uh, But there is a division Also within uh, within Israel, and we know that there are those in uh, the Israeli government that do not see eye to eye with the prime minister in as far as his mm-hmm. annexation plans are concerned. So, so there is also a huge debate uh, within the Israeli government and within those who are following this issue closely. In Israel, in relation to what kind of steps uh, would be taken, so so there is a huge division division in Israel. In, and this is, yeah, so this and this is not so so the objection and the opposition 
to this step is not only a step that is coming from uh, the Palestinians or the Arab world or yes. different countries uh, in, uh, mm. uh, around, the, uh, around the world, but it is also coming from Israel. Yeah. Uh, there is, uh, for example, one uh, influential group in Israel is called the Commanders of Israel Security that has around 300 uh, uh, Israeli generals uh, and heads of uh, security apparatuses in Israel and so on, who have stated in no uncertain terms that they see that this would be extreme, extremely detrimental to Israeli interests in uh, both the short run and in the longer. Mm -hmm. So, so this is what is happening, and I think I think the U.S. is awaiting uh, this uh, discussion in in Israel to take place and to be finalized in order to see uh, what steps can be done. We hope that uh, that those who are opposing uh, annexation steps in Israel, uh, you know, are, would succeed in convincing public opinion and uh, and those who are advocating for annexation mm -hmm. uh, how that how that mental system uh, can be mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah because uh, some some say that uh, it's a step from uh, prime minister netanyahu in order to 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 win the, the next elections for him more than a reality that it's more of a more of something he's saying to get votes uh, is that something? Is there any tr truth to that, or is it uh, really part of his his desire? The, the internal situation is it is quite complicated because uh, the prime minister is awaiting a trial on accusations uh, pertaining to uh, a number of charges. Yeah. So this is part of the of the story, but there is also another dimension of the story, which is the fact that uh, the Israeli political establishment has been moving to the right. Mm -hmm. It has become more extreme, mm -hmm. and in the context of becoming more on the extreme side, uh, they are advocating for uh, grabbing more Palestinian land uh, and. Uh, considering it as part of the Israeli territory, mm -hmm. and this would, would this would not augur well in relation to how things may evolve in our uh, collective quest to achieve peace in this important mm -hmm. and crucial conflict through the Middle East. And uh, what about in the region right now? Uh, so Jordan and Egypt are part of the the new quartet. Uh, they also have peace treaties with Israel. What is the um, environment right now between? But uh, is there a lot of tension right now after the after the prime minister's uh, Netanyahu's plans? Uh, what could be perhaps the the extreme repercussions if he was to to be able to go ahead with some of the annexations for the region? It's a big question. <laughs> well, as a matter of fact, uh, the King of Jordan has stated in very clear terms. Uh, that this will have huge implications to the relations between uh, Israel and Jordan. Uh, that is seen as uh, a, a crucial relations by both sides. Uh, so, so this was the message that was sent from uh, the King of Jordan. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the position of Egypt was also clear. 
Uh, the foreign minister of Egypt uh, visited uh, Ramallah only uh, a very short period ago, a week or so ago, and he met with uh, President uh, Abu Mazen and he spoke about this issue, identifying and clarifying Egyptian position against uh, annexation and in support of uh, the Palestinian effort to uh, stop this this step. So there is a general agreement. Uh, in uh, the Arab world that this should stop. Even uh, the ambassador of the United Arab Emirates to Washington wrote uh, an article in Hebrew uh, mm-hmm. that was published in the Israeli press and had huge uh, coverage and debate. And it sent a message to Israel that there is some progress uh, that is taking place in advancing some form of uh, de-escalation mm-hmm. uh, between a number of Arab countries and Israel and that uh, a step uh, in the direction of annexation will have uh, consequences in relation to uh, these uh, advancing relationships. So, so the message has been clear yeah. from the European Union, from the Arab world, from the African Union, from uh, different quarters of the world saying, no, this is not not the right approach. This is a movement in the wrong direction. Yeah. So let's let's move in the right direction. So there seems to be a lot uh, a lot more to lose uh, for 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 Prime Minister Netanyahu than than what he's winning in terms of international uh, support and also something which will affect uh, stability in the country in Israel also and the, the economy. Certainly, uh, not only with, with the, for example, some neighboring states, but also with Europe. Um, what about the U.S.? Can you try to give a, a more clear, clear answer into what their position on is in regards to, to Israel right now? Are they on the side with, the, with France and Germany or are they? No, no, no. no. They are in support of annexation. Yeah. But what they are telling, what they are telling Israel is that we want you to agree amongst yourselves as to what kind of step uh, would be taken, and that this should take place in the context of uh, indicating Israel's adherence to the Trump plan, and the Trump plan, in addition to uh, mentioning aspects pertaining to. Uh, having Israel maintain part of the Palestinian land, it also talks about establishing the Palestinian entity yeah. that, mm. the, that the plan calls the state. Mm. And this this is opposed by uh, the political forces to the right in Israel. Mm-hmm. So this is making things much more complicated. So they are waiting uh, for, to hear what, what the next step is from basically from in, interior in Israel. Uh, yes, so they are awaiting awaiting uh, a, a final position on the Israeli side, which is not easy. But then also, as we discussed earlier, uh, as you and as you know, the United States is also quite preoccupied with developments pertaining to uh, the pandemic and with the economic uh, implications of the pandemic with uh, rising unemployment to to very high levels mm-hmm. uh, and also uh, difficulty pertaining to uh, the preparation for the election that has less than 100 days. 
so it, it becomes uh, uh, the you know the interest becomes more towards uh, how things would evolve in relation to elections as opposed to focusing on all kinds of other uh, issues particularly at the international level so they take uh, you know the second level of priority yeah. as uh, as compared to uh, what's happening regarding the rising numbers of those infected by corona the high unemployment and the need to get the economy back on track uh, and and also the presidential elections yeah. so the, the situation in the united states is also quite complicated in relation to how things are evolving mm -hmm. And, and uh, this is going to be a bit of a uh, forecaster question, but if you were to, to, to give a forecast for the next months in, in, in relation to specifically this, um, the annexation plans, what, what would you say, I mean, it's impossible to say exactly, but do you have any, any thoughts on uh, what will happen? Well, uh, as, you, as you said uh, somewhat earlier, it's very difficult to predict how things would evolve in the Middle East, and this is no exception. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think I think it it will be a very difficult decision on the part of Israel, and they are feeling yeah. uh, pressure from different places around the world. Uh, all what I hope is that wisdom, wisdom would prevail, and uh, and it's 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 you know it's not only about annexation. I think I think that. Uh, if we are to move towards peace, I think there is a lot that needs to be done uh, by Israel in order to have uh, a more reasonable position in relation to how how this conflict can end and to think in a, in a more positive way. Uh, similar to what happened between Israel and Egypt and, uh, and, and Israel and Jordan, you know, uh, you know, the peace treaty between Israel and Egypt has been around for over 40 years. Yeah. The peace treaty between Israel and Jordan for over a quarter of a century. So I think this is the lesson that Israel should learn from what happened in these uh, uh, four, four decades of so or so of peace with Egypt. Yes. Now, mm -hmm. peace between Egypt and Israel uh, are solid. Peace between Jordan and Israel are solid, and and I think it is to the advantage of everybody in the region for this to be the model. Mm. And I think that Israel should be thinking in these terms mm. in relation to what needs to be done with the Palestinians. If a peace agreement is reached that is reasonable and that is acceptable by both sides, then I think the situation will be transformed in the old vision. You know, Egypt and Jordan were not 100% happy with the agreement mm -hmm. that they signed with Israel, but it was acceptable. Okay. They, they, they thought that it at least responds to the minimum requirements in relation to achieving peace. And as a result, it became a cornerstone of uh, the Middle East uh, environment. So this is what we hope would happen between Israel, uh, between Israel and uh, the rest of its neighbor in order for us to advance on a more constructive way and to focus on, uh, you know, peaceful relationships, mm. uh, uh, economy, trade, uh, tourism, and so on. But, of course, after we overcome the current pandemic. Yeah, and do you think that is a, 
possible uh, with the current prime minister in Israel? Unfortunately, I can't say that I am optimistic that this will take place. Uh, but this does not mean that we should lose hope and that we should, uh, uh, you know, uh, stop trying. Uh, and I, I think this is what what uh, different countries in the region are continuing to do. Uh, the effort that is being done by the quartet that we were discussing is a message in this direction is a message to tell Israel, no, this is not the right way to do it. The okay. right way to do it is is in a different direction. Mm. Uh, similarly to the uh, article that I spoke about that was uh, written by the uh, ambassador mm. of the United Arab Emirates in Washington in mm. the Israeli newspaper and so on. So all this effort is being done to convince Israel mm. that this is not the right path to achieve. Uh, peace. This yes. is going in the wrong, in the opposite direction. Yes, mm. and I, uh, if uh, if uh, Israel was to go in this uh, in this wrong direction with annexations, wouldn't it leave the country more isolated uh, than ever? At least uh, losing uh, somewhat uh, partners in Europe, not losing them, but losing um, somewhat the relationships, uh, but keeping uh, U.S. Uh, and in the region also, it would leave it would leave a country that is already quite isolated to be even more isolated from the the rest of the of the world that are not in support of this decision. The question of isolation. It is a question of instability. Uh, it is a, a question of uh, a possible war that that may happen. It is a question of uh, you know killing the prospects of the solution that the whole world is leaning towards, which is the two-state solution. Mm -hmm. So if you if you kill the two-state solution, uh, if you have an uh, uh, instability, another war, another uh, 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 cycle of violence and so on, who would benefit from that other than uh, those who are advocating for yeah. extremism and advocating for violence as the way to resolve this conflict. So this would give ammunition to those who are saying Israel does not understand anything except the language of force. So is this what we want to do? We yeah. want to give ammunition to this side of the equation or do we want to give ammunition to those who yeah. argue that no, we, mm. we have to deal with this issue in uh, a, a manner that would be based on negotiations rather mm. than based on for force and violence. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. And then uh, what about the, the relations between uh, directly Jordan and Egypt and Israel? Um, if the annexation were to happen... But the deteriorate in, no in a, a very uh, high conflict level or... I don't know. We not necessarily, say not necessarily. But but the question is a question as to where are we going? Are we going in a in a positive and constructive direction that would result in improving the situation, or are we going in a direction that would make things much worse? Yeah. And then then it means that there would be that more blood would be shed and more difficulties for us to achieve peace. So this would be complicating the, uh, the, the task
task for those who are trying to achieve peace, whether they are in the United States, whether they are in the region, whether they are in Europe, wherever they are. Mm. So this would make things more difficult to those who are trying to achieve peace mm. and much easier for those who are advocating for violence as a means to address this yeah. conflict and ending occupation. Yeah, mm. it will be a never-ending cycle anyways of, of violence. Absolutely. That is, that is a scary part of this whole episode. Mm -hmm. But in the, in the end, uh, if we look away from the politics and uh, of the conflict of the matter, both in Israel and uh, everywhere else, and especially in Palestine, there lives civilians that uh, are all wishing for a, a peaceful negotiation and for instead of living in the perpetual uh, conflict state and stress uh, that they live in on both sides, actually. Uh, Absolutely. So it, it, it would be, in many ways, it would be, it would be a really uh, good thing to, to hear more of those voices of, 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 on, on both sides and for also for them to have more leverage in deciding uh, this, the future. This is our hope. Yeah. Okay, well, I think that was... Uh, no, I have one last question about uh, Trump's, uh, Trump's campaign in the 2020 or campaign. He had a plan that was called... Uh, Better a vision to improve the lives of Palestinian and Israeli people. Do you have anything to say about that that uh, plan he had? It, it was it was all over the news when he said it, and it was a really big thing in the newspapers in Europe and everywhere. And uh, I haven't heard that much about that 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 since since last year. I think it was. No, I think I no. You're hearing about it, but from a different perspective because. Because annexation, the whole annexation debate was triggered by the plan. So this plan is the basis on which Israel is uh, moving in a direction of annexing Palestinian territory. Because the plan indicated that the American view is to allow Israel to maintain 30%. Yeah of the occupied Palestinian territory. So so you are not hearing about the plan itself, but you're hearing about uh, elements that are based on the plan and unfortunately are resulting in all the difficulties that we are facing today. Mm -hmm. Okay, and uh, uh, one last comment, the, the general sentiment in Washington uh, about the, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, can you comment about it? Well, I think this does not only apply to, to Washington. I think it applies to the whole world. Uh, and the, the general feeling is a feeling of great sadness and dismay that we are moving in the wrong direction. Yeah. That mm -hmm. we are not advancing uh, towards uh, what we were all hoping to achieve, which is uh, an end to this conflict in a manner that would allow us to focus on all kinds of other issues pertaining to cooperation and all kinds of areas and fields mm. that can be beneficial mm. to the whole the whole region. And instead, we're talking about avoiding uh, violence, avoiding instability, and trying to uh, stop uh, negative uh, unilateral steps that may prove to be extremely detrimental to our quest to achieve peace. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. On that note, uh, let's let's hope for a uh, a uh, long-lived peace solution and uh, and not in too long time either. And thank you so much for the interesting perspectives and comments on this uh, this difficult topic. Well, thank you very much. It was a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you.